Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Cooking with Grief, the comedy podcast that features neither cooking nor grief, except the cooking we do in the oven of light-hearted chat, and the grief we feel for all the versions of ourselves we never became. I'm Chris, and as ever I'm joined by my adequate sidekick slash co-host, my North Star, my road to Damascus, my chemical romance. It's Chris. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm alright. So here's how the podcast works. Each of us, Chris's, uh, chooses two topics each. We've learned about in the week. It could be an interesting article, an obscure historical fact, or if we weren't complete idiots, a wry observation on the ceaselessly baffling world. And we just sort of talk about it. And that's about it, really. And your role, dear listener, is to laugh along or sit in unimpressed silence, whatever you feel most comfortable doing. So Chris, what's your first topic? Okay, so my first one comes out of a 6th century horror film. So... Archaeologists in Sweden have unearthed a ancient town, as archaeologists are wont to do. Uh, only everybody in it was murdered where they stood, and their bodies were left to rot where they fell. Basically, that was it. Everybody in the town was massacred horribly, and left, and they weren't even robbed or anything. R- right, uh, so keeping it light then. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, this is cooking with grief. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> this is not cooking with light and happiness. That's true. Sorry, I forgot what we were doing. Yeah, no, so basically, well, they don't, well, obviously, they don't know what happened. Nobody was there. But it seems to be that this village was raided for every reason. Sort of in the aftermath of the uh, Roman Empire, when it was all collapsing and various tribes were vying for power in the vacuum, somebody took offence to this one particular town, and they all went and murdered everybody. Even They've even found the bodies of kids, again, keeping this very light. Yeah, and literally, like, one body was found half in a fire, like, in a fireplace, so he'd been, like, stabbed, fallen into the fire, and they just left him there. Yeah, and they found all their belongings and possessions and stuff all still around them, as if... So nobody came, even came back in the aftermath to sort of rob the graves. Well, there weren't even graves, just to rob the open-air bodies. What was weird is nobody knew exactly what happened there, but all the locals felt like it was a dodgy place, to put it mildly. <laughs> like, apparently the locals were like, you shouldn't be digging there, and when asked why, they were like, we don't really know why, we just know it's a evil place. I mean, that does sound like one of them sort of um, real estate euphemisms, you know, rather than saying, you know, scene of a of a, of a mass killing. More of a, a dodgy vibe, you know, just... Yeah, it's just a bad vibe. Just, you know, I might have slightly um, effects on house prices, but nothing major. No, you know, no half-burned bodies. Yeah, no woodworm or anything. Oh, no, no, no. It's, and be- beautiful <laughs> south-facing windows, so, you know, it's not yeah. all bad. What more do you want? So it's it's what it's like a raiding party that came through and just butchered everyone and then left, or a specific well, like form of revenge. Well, they don't know. They they can't say. They found it weird because the fact that nobody came to loot it. You know, they found uh, animals and bodies still, but like you know, still in their pens. So nobody looted the livestock. Nobody took the jewelry. The only thing they found was that all the weapons were all taken and buried in a heap, or piled in a heap somewhere. So it might have been the animals? Probably wasn't. If the animals led an uprising, they probably wouldn't go back to their cages. <laughs> that would be a very short life. Perfect alibi. You know, the the next town over... Uh, oh, yeah, Next true. town over, haven't heard from, you know, the, the village in quite a while, so they send a messenger over, and, they, you know, 
they ask, you know, a sheep, what's going on here? And the sheep just goes, don't look at me, mate. I've been in my pen the whole time. Also, I'm a talking sheep. <laughs> and they go, well, fair play, I can't. Uh. <laughs> Case closed. Or case mysteriously left open. I, I try my best not to be a petty person, but that is that is taking a grudge too far, I think. Oh, just a little bit. If it was indeed a grudge, who knows? Maybe somebody was just like, I don't like your face. So I'm going to murder your entire village. It doesn't like any face in the whole village. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Just it sounds like a sort of early prototype of what everyone does in GTA, really. Yeah, you know, basically. Video games are often blamed for causing violence, whereas I think it's the other way around. It's a healthy outlet. So, because some psychopath didn't have access to, you know, the infinite grenades cheat, had to do it in real life. Exactly. That basically explains Viking culture. Uh, apologies for <laughs> summing the entirety of uh, Viking culture up as people who couldn't play GTA. Oh, that's an interesting point. I sort of agree. I don't think video games cause violence. I think people just really do seem to enjoy if they can't inflict misery on others, at least inflicting virtual misery on virtual people. It's like we have this, this urge. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a inherent flaw in being super brain apes. Bloody chimps. That's the subtitle to uh, your PhD on evolutionary biology. <laughs> Bloody chimps. <laughs> oh, if somebody's done a PhD on evolutionary biology of monkeys and apes and all that if somebody hasn't called their phd damn dirty apes i'll be so disappointed i I think maybe in a phd you could sneak in a couple of jokes like in the appendix but not (laughs) in like the main title that's only if you're a coward well i am both a coward and an idiot who couldn't do a phd so (laughs) you know i might be thick but at least i'm a coward okay so that's my story what have you got well i'm gonna go for something a li- little bit more light-hearted, if that's all right. Chris, if you could change your name to anything at all, what would it be? Shaka Lufa Khan. Of course it is. I've, I've known you for a long time and I've always known that about you. Well, a couple in Adlington, New Zealand have lost an appeal to name their newborn son SpongeBob. I, I agree with whoever stopped them, to be fair. Yeah, well, New Zealand are sort of oddly strict when it comes to names. In, in the UK, you can name your kid whatever, which is why celebrities can have, all, you know, all the kids have daft names. But... This couple changed their surnames to Mr. and Mrs. Squarepants, but kept their first names Stephen and Claire. Which makes you think, (laughs) yeah, why didn't they go whole hog and just name themselves? And and at least then, you know, they can sort of consent to live with the consequences of being Mr. and Mrs. SpongeBob Squarepants. So he was formerly Stephen Jones and she was Claire Hicks. Obviously, they're a fan of the animated series or whatever, but they're not allowed to uh, call a kid... SpongeBob, which I think's fair enough to be honest. I want to know what they settled on instead, because I mean they've already they kind of committed to that joke. Yeah, because it's not like David Squarepants is a normal name if they name the kid yeah, David. Exactly. Yeah, unless they change their name again and just keep trying till they get something. What like Sponge Robert maybe? Because it's a bit more formalized. <laughs> Make it a bit more formal. <laughs> uh, I was thinking more if they changed the surname as well, so you know they became uh, the Dovers and then they called the kid Ben. Yeah, I. I think I, th- I think it's one thing to to call you you know a child after a kid's cartoon, another to give them a sort of euphemistic name. Well, they could have gone with uh, Jas and then called him Hugh. Good. I mean, I, I feel like these are all like jokes from The Simpsons. Where I was literally picturing picturing as I was thinking of these and be like, yeah, "Come yeah. on, there must be one. There must be a good one." Yeah, Amanda, There's Amanda uh, hug and kiss. kiss. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> classic. But I mean, I, I suppose kids 
kids will always find a way to bully other kids about anything. So, it, uh, I mean, it doesn't help if you've got a stupid name, but you can have a perfectly reasonable name and they'll still laugh at you because you've got an odd note. Not that I'm encouraging bullying, like going, oh, well, kids are going to bully you anyway, so <laughs> have stupid <laughs> names because there's literally yeah. no point trying to stop it. I'd be rather, you know, more in favour of, uh, you know, trying to keep teach kids not to bully but that's a bold stance <laughs> today here on cooking with grief we come down on the side against bullies i know i am i know i am such a brave social warrior <laughs> um yeah so new zealand have, have um they've currently got a list of 77 banned uh names you can't give kids including lucy there must be more than that all right, I, well, I think 77 that have been tried and failed so like, uh, okay go on so at no point has anyone tried to call a kid fox sticks, but I assume they'll they'll <laughs> knock that back down too. So the ones that have been tried to put through include Lucifer, that was a no. Christ, also no. Um, fish and chips for a pair of twins. Um, yeah, Detroit, that didn't make it. And sex fruit, one word. <laughs> oh, I've got a story about this. <laughs> I don't want to know about your sex fruit story if that's where you're going with this. <laughs> no, no, that's not where I'm going with. I was talking to a nurse student at university and she was telling us a story about a um, child who'd come in and she went to read the name of the chart and she she was trying to pronounce it and she was like la 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 because it was spelled L-A hyphen A and then the parents came and uh, said no it's pronounced Ladasha oh god Oh, <laughs> they'd actually included the dash as a syllable, and it could have been la hyphena as well. It could have, but that would be incorrect, and you'd sound like a fool. Yes, you're How right. Dare you I... not pronounce the name correct? You're right. I would be the fool. I'll come. Clear. I don't have kids, but I'd, I'd quite like to give them normal names with a normal spelling. Because if you call your kid, I don't know, um, I don't know, like H. Oh, I thought you were struggling to think of a normal name then. Yeah, what what are, what are, what are humans called? Um, <laughs> um, moist? No, that's just an no. adjective, not a not, not a name. All right, if you call I uh, know like you call your kid Claire, but they spell it like K L Y R E or whatever. All it means mm-hmm. is that is that kid has a lifetime of having to on like the phone to the bank and stuff, and just like constantly like saying no, it's 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 Claire with a a K and an L and a Y and an R and E. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. <laughs> like in in an attempt to make your kid sound more interesting, they're just gonna hate you for it. Whereas if you call them Claire with a normal name, but then dye the skin pink, that's an actual talking point. <laughs> but on the flip side, the whole point of names is to be a unique identifier for stuff. I mean, we are both called Chris. If somebody was to say Chris, we would both instinctively turn around. Whereas if one of us was called like Thunderhawk. <laughs> Then, <laughs> then you know, if somebody shouts Chris, Thunderhawk could just keep going about his day. And what a day that would be. Would you ever have a bad day if you were called? You just wake up every morning and go, I am Thunderhawk. Yeah, Thunderhawk. And I drive a van. <laughs> That's what Thunderhawks do. I mean, I think what we're getting at is that you secretly wish you'd been called Thunderhawk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I can't lie. And what I suspect is that's your pet name for your penis. (laughs) Again, I can't lie. Thunderhawk. We're doing so well. We we managed to go like a whole, like, 
15 minutes or something without saying mentioning penis or genitals or anything else and i'm so sorry to lower the tone it was it was inevitable that's true. we're going there that's true i'll finish off with the final fact despite all those names i listed that the you know new zealand didn't allow oddly they did allow both number 16 bus shelter as a series of first first and middle names and violence so it's like I don't understand why the rule's arbitrary. That is very arbitrary. I'd like to call my kid, yeah, Detroit. Absolutely not. You should not be parents. Well, I'd like to call my kid number 16 bus shelter. Absolutely. You know, how Or maybe if they could prove there was an emotional, like, connection. Like, maybe that's where he was conceived. That's true. But, but yeah, Detroit also suggests <laughs> a much... <laughs> <laughs> more literal uh, moment of conception. <laughs> Although I'd, uh, you don't really tend to, in my experience, yell out your location at the moment of, of bliss. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, well of shame! <laughs> or whatever, you know, wherever you happen to be. Yeah, a position of isolation. You know, I, d- I don't know. It's, <sighs> it's been a while. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this to you, but you may struggle to conceive from a position of isolation. I mean, that sounds like a challenge for Thunderhawk. So Chris, what's your second topic? So for my next topic, I'll I'll go a little less bleak. Head over to the US of A and to Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm just going to uh, put some words in your mouth here, but I imagine that if you were to think of Las Vegas, you'd probably think of the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign, Caesar's Palace, the Venetian. You probably think of Mr. House and NCR and Caesar's <laughs> Legion, because I know I do. Uh, but yeah, would that be a fair assessment of your your image of Vegas? Yeah, I think so. Uh, casinos, the Strip, bright lights, that sort of thing. That sounds about right. Yeah, well, guess what? You're wrong. Oh. All of those things I mentioned are not technically in Las Vegas at all. They are officially in a place called Paradise which might be ironically named, depending on your uh, level of debauchery. So, hang on. So, what we think of as Vegas is not actually Vegas. So what is actually Vegas, then? Actually, Vegas is slightly to the north, um, where there are also casinos and whatnot. But, the yeah, the Strip itself, and uh, also the airport, for that matter, are actually in a... well. It's what is apparently called an unincorporated territory. I don't pretend to be a um, expert on American municipal uh, definitions, but from what I understand is they basically said that this is not a city. Right. So, I mean, how how bad is is Paradise's tourism board if it's allowed literally another city <laughs> to become? it in <laughs> it's actually the other way around so apparently what happened was nevada legalized gambling way back when and so they built some uh, casinos um near las vegas with it being the largest town i think but what they did was they deliberately built them just outside the city limits so that they didn't have to pay taxes to well you know, they only had to pay state taxes and they didn't have to pay any taxes to the city. And because it was all run by the mafia, they decided they didn't need any of the things that a city was supposed to provide, you know, because they didn't need, they didn't want the police snooping around. So they were very happy not to be paying for police protection. (laughs) So they just built all these things on the outskirts, you know, not paying taxes and sort of policing themselves in the loosest, you know, 
if you call breaking the fingers of people who win too much uh, policing. Yeah, they just let the good times roll. And then obviously Las Vegas grew up sort of around it, but they can't tax it. Well, I was going to say, do you think real Las Vegas natives get very snippy about when tourists coming in and calling it New Vegas and actually, you know, that... New Vegas. Did I say New Vegas? <laughs> yeah. Damn NCR. <laughs> Coming over here and calling it New Vegas. I don't often uh, interact with the real world, so I have to see everything through a prism of video games and fiction. Mm. Um, you know, are, are Las Vegas as Las Vegasians? Vegans. Vegasians. Are they quite snippy about people saying, oh, I love Vegas, and yeah. then they sort of say through gritted teeth, no, you, you're a fan of paradise, or do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know, because they obviously all market it. As Las Vegas, so I don't know. I don't know if anyone would go to that. It feels weird thinking that people actually live in Las Vegas. It seems like, well, I don't know. Uh, I suppose they must. I'm going to say. They, they must do, because obviously everyone who, who, yeah, who works yeah. there, you know, they've got families and there must be schools. and Yeah, yeah. well, everything I know about Las Vegas that isn't from Fallout, I l- learnt from CSI. So that doesn't exactly paint a glowing picture either. <laughs> Apparently there's lots of murder, most of which leave semen at the scene. I'm just going to gloss over that because we talk about semen every single episode and I'm just trying to <laughs> drastically avoid it, just in, in general. Um, my only sort of... Uh, my, well, I suppose my first cultural knowledge of of Las Vegas was from Hunter Thompson. And again, that it doesn't... It doesn't <laughs> fear and loathing doesn't exactly uh, paint it in a particularly positive light, but then not many things are when you've got a sort of you know, a, a maverick journalist chronicling them. I don't actually know anything about Hunter Thompson or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, he's one of my favourite writers. Um, that's obviously the most important thing you need to know. <laughs> Put that on his gravestone. Chris's favourite writer. There's a, there's a really mm. great photo of, of him, Johnny, da- Johnny Depp, John Cusack and a blow-up doll in a car together just looking like they're having the best time. <laughs> Even the blow-up doll. Particularly the blow-up doll. Actually, she, she looked more so, sort of surprised. <laughs> <laughs> she was aghast. That's what that face means. I, I think so. As, as you know, unfamiliar as I am with human emotion, I think I think <laughs> class, classic aghast is sex doll. Sort of all, like... Like retro sex doll, I, I believe they've sort of moved on Ooh, a bit now. Retro, <laughs> speaking as a non, speaking as a complete layman, I believe the technology has improved significantly over the last few years. Yeah, I, I might be uh, single and lonely, but I've not, I, I've not got that bad yet. Yet, you've not got that bad yet. Well, you never know. It's the world's a tough place, and if you, you know, if if you get if the news comes on and says everyone's got ten minutes to live, what you'd spend your last ten minutes with a blow up doll? Well, I'd have to buy one first. How quick is Amazon Prime in, in the event of an apocalypse? Is there an apocalypse Black Friday special? I'm not entirely comfortable where that sentence was going, but I'd just like to if this if this bit makes the edit, I'd just like to sort of clear my name, sort of fetish wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm normal? Question mark. <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> this is like writing your Tinder profile. Like I am normal. I am a normal human being <laughs> who enjoys human things. <laughs> I like to. I'd like to meet somebody with facial expressions other than aghast. Well, I don't know. I can't be too picky. But <laughs> okay. So, Chris, will you lead us out on a high note, please? 
<laughs> I'll try my best. I mean, Raise the spirits. I mean, the bar has been. If I can get it slightly more optimistic than a mass burial site, then I'm, you know, we're ending, uh, ending happily. So I'll ask you this, Chris: Do you ever have nightmares about still being back at school? No, not really. No, you never. We left school what nearly, nearly, ten nearly years ten ago. years ago now, and I, I've never ever missed it once. Like. No. Um, but I, I still occasionally have dreams that I'm horribly unprepared for an exam or something, or I've just not got the wrong book, and I, I wake up and I think, why am I still? Why is my brain still preoccupied <laughs> with that? I left it like nearly a decade ago. That has really scarred you, hasn't it? That one time you got shouted at by a teacher. <laughs> yeah, that one time I was slightly, <laughs> a raised voice was slightly uh, aimed in my direction. It was uh, one day I'll write a, a horrifying uh, memoir about it. I said, forgive me for that time that I laughed at something you said, and I had to work outside. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have been friends with someone so entirely hilarious. And while we're airing our petty grievances, I won't ever forgive you for the time we decided, I don't know why, to reenact the dance from Dirty Dancing, and you just need me in the crotch. (laughs) And I think we both got sent outside, even though I was the victim. Yeah, yeah, that was my fault. I I mistimed the jump. I'm I'm no Jennifer Grey. (laughs) I've always said that about you. But I, 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 I suppose what we what we look back on on school and, and shudder at is, is minor in comparison to uh, Chinese students who are, about this time of year, about to sit the Gaokao, which is the... The, the Gaokao. It li- like, means, like, the highest exam, and it's, it's the exams they sit in order to determine which uni they go to. Okay, so, like, A-levels. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. It's a two-day-long exam. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and they're taken so seriously that if there are factories or sort of construction sites near schools they have to close down during the day so there's not distracting noise drivers can get fined for using their horns within a certain distance of the school and in some instances even the police are called in to invigilate on the exams wow (laughs) just you know in case it's not stressful enough and last year for the first time drones were used in the exam hall to like like to look down and stop people cheating which is surely way more distracting than just not (laughs) not honking the horn yeah well not honking the horn but like if you're trying to concentrate and you just hear like oh as this you know drone goes over your head that's way more distracting than the off chance of you having cheated I i assume they're not like like Air Force drones, you know, <laughs> that guy's cheating. Fire a missile because <laughs> that really would distract yeah, I, I you. I assume the police aren't in sort of like mech suits, you know, or yeah, yeah they they and it, it's you know the the exams like cover like lots of topics from like science to maths to literature to history, so it's a really sort of general knowledge, but really quite tricky. And then there were like, and mm. then there were like essay questions. Do you get a break over these two days? I assume so. Yeah. It, it, okay. It's not a solid four. I just wanted to check. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's it's like a mar- you know a mental marathon. But um, <laughs> okay. But it's it's you know it's it's fairly regimented over two days. You know, but I assume you get sleep and stuff in between. Uh, either way, it's intense. Oh yeah, like so. If you know, if I occasionally still have a a fever dream about being back at school, I don't know what those kids go through. <laughs> Well, maybe everything's from then on is just easy. Like, oh, well, this is a tough day, but, you know, these are no drones over my head. That's true. I mean, that's an interesting, you know, thing to say at a job interview. It's like, well, <laughs> how do you feel about, you know, working under harsh conditions? Have you got any sort of 
missile armed drones. No, that would be insane. <laughs> then yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be absolutely fine, mate. <laughs> and over here, they've decided to take uh, analog clocks off the walls at some schools in the exam rooms because the uh, kids don't know how to read them. Really? And so it's adding unnecessary stress of them trying to work out how to read the analog clock, so they're replacing them with digital ones. You know, instead of teaching them how to read the clock. Uh, which I, I assume you do at the age of three, four, five, or... Yeah, although even even now, if somebody asks me the time, I look at my watch, put my arm down, and then immediately have to look at my watch again because I realised I didn't actually bother to look at the time in any way. I just like glance at it and go, oh, there were arms on this clock. Arms, hands... <laughs> I'll be, I'll be a fucking big, be a big clock. I, I, I've never met anyone. It, I, maybe this is an incredibly snobby thing to say, but I've never met anyone who couldn't tell the time on a on a clock. You just is that is that is that sort of uh, incredibly elitist of me? Nah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, one of the things is because nowadays, you know, very few kids wear an analog watch. I mean, actually, I never wore watches at all until literally until I got a job. And I was like, I probably shouldn't be checking my phone when I'm at work. But yeah, no. So the the reason is, if you got a phone, it has a digital clock. Yeah, you got a laptop, it's got a digital clock. You got everything. So uh, I think maybe they're going to change Big Ben. You know, if they're doing that work on it now. Just could take it down and just put a massive digital clock up there. Yeah, but then, you know, suddenly there's a power cut, then it'll just be flashing zero, zero, you know, <laughs> for ages. It'll be right faff to have to go and change it, and then, you know, all your alarms aren't yeah. set anymore. Yeah, now that I think about it, I it, it, it has been several years since anyone stopped me and asked me for the time because everyone's got a phone on them. That used to be a much more common occurrence as a kid. Yeah. Or maybe you just looked wise as a kid and oh, that kid looks like he knows the time. Well, I was, you know, sort of tall from the age and bald, so they must have thought, ah, oh, there goes a sort of white Buddha type. <laughs> yeah. who's, who's mastered a manual, not a manual watch, what do you call it? Like a... Analog. analog. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a go... A manual, a manual watch. <laughs> mastered the sundial. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've traced the the course of the moons. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, but when when we were at school, the most sort of distracting thing that would happen during our exams was that the teachers would get bored and start playing games. So they'd have they'd oh, have yeah. slow races like down the hall because obviously everyone's <laughs> sort of in in lines of of rows, and they've got to see who can skip the most subtly from one end to the other <laughs> and not look like they're being just childish dicks. Well, did one teacher tell us that the uh, the trick was the corners? That's where you pick up speed <laughs> without people noticing. <laughs> yeah, the back row is pretty safe because you can absolutely nail it down the, the back side of the hall. <laughs> yeah, but when you're going at the front, you have to really slow it down and look professional. Yeah, sort of frown and nod and just look around, make sure everyone's all right. And then as soon as you're out of eye shot, absolutely belt it down. <laughs> Wasn't there another thing? I can't remember exactly what it was. So <laughs> more vaguely half-remembered stories here. But where uh, one teacher would describe like a look-alike, you know, it'd be like the kid who looks like I don't know. I'd say Elvis Presley, but everyone would know who the kid that kid was. And then it was the me. other teacher you would have to go it. and stand you can next say to it. I them. was the Elvis kid, all right. <laughs> I... The bald Buddha Elvis kid. <laughs> yeah, but my blue suede shoes were absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, no, and then the teacher would go and stand next to it, and the one at the front would just like shake their head if it was the wrong yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, they'd say, say things like, go and stand next to the kid, most likely to end up in prison. 
and then like they'd each go and pick a, a kid to stand next to and sort of <laughs> haggle silently amongst themselves who was the winner. <laughs> the other really, I was going to say, the other really distracting thing was when a te- when there was a general murmur of noise outside the outside the exam hall, and the teacher would go out and shout at everybody to be quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there'd be this <laughs> which sort you of... just hear cutting through the noise. <laughs> yeah, because you'd hear, you know, there'd be an indistinct sort of murmur that you hadn't, you know, it's just background noise you hadn't really heard, and then you hear, "Will you keep it down? There's exams out there." And you just think, <laughs> yeah. oh, I've never been less able to concentrate. <laughs> I remember because the often like the the sort of seating's divided by subject, and because listeners, I did ancient Greek, and I was the only one stupid enough. Not stupid. I really enjoyed it actually, because I was the only one who did Greek. Then, as you know, in preparation for the rest of my life, I would be sat on my own while everyone else did maths or whatever, whatever sensible subject they were doing. But they had to assign one teacher per you know, subject. I had one teacher who, I won't name, but was just, a, a you know, a, a big child who would crouch down in front of my desk and go, people, and pop his head <laughs> over the desk. And the first time you think, oh, that's mildly amusing, but these are quite important exams to my future progress as a, as a person. And by the seventh time he's gone, people, you think, can I have a different teacher, please? Because th- this is, this just isn't on. <laughs> I, I had one exam where a teacher was walking past. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will yeah, anyway. No names. Uh, they can't take it from me now. <laughs> and I wrote something down and looked up and she looked at, she was like stood looking at my paper and she was walking the aisles. And um, I looked up and she just slowly just shook <laughs> her head. <laughs> I was like, whoa. How do, Maybe I should change this answer. How to fill you with confidence. And if, if you think, oh no, it's the ablative, not the dative. And then you sort of scribble something out and she just sort of winks at you. That's 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 not good. <laughs> not good teaching. Well, it is good teaching. It's just morally dubious teaching, that's all. Yeah. It's not kosher teaching. Because yeah. I remember another time, because the other problem is that like, because I just did subjects that no one else did, then they're all scheduled at weird, weird times. So everyone else finished, like, they finished school about two months before me, and I was just left over the summer, just hanging on to do, like, one Greek paper or whatever. Well, luckily, it's really helped you in your uh, life since. Yes, because I am a professional ancient Greek. <laughs> Man. Man. And, and I couldn't even tell you who wrote uh, Lysistra, the women. And... It was Euripides. It wasn't Euripides. It was Aristophanes. It was, and I, I, f- and that just doesn't work for the joke. <laughs> not, not. Who's there? <laughs> Aristophanes. Aristophanes. Who? Aristophanes trousers. So you better pay for them. <laughs> oh, callback humor. Yeah, provided you've listened to the other episodes. If you haven't heard episode one, please go back and listen to it, just so you can understand that reference. No, we've done the joke. You don't need to go... I mean, it'd be nice (laughs) if you went back, but you you don't really need to. I I, I don't work in in sales either. You can probably tell. No, that's not the best pitch. (laughs) Please don't listen to our show. You can't... Uh. (laughs) 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 We should just rename this, just... Uh, I think that might be too sexual of a noise for what <laughs> this nasally voice can provide for the listener. Because, you know, at least you've got a rich baritone to it going, Ugh, and I, if I go, eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, this got weird quickly. It, it, it got weird straight away and stayed weird, and we knew it would. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So, exams, eh? <laughs> How about those exams? Yeah, and if you're in school, then fuck you. I'm so glad I've, I've left. <laughs> God, I don't miss it at all. I remember the last day, on the last day of school, like, we had this big um, sort of meeting with all the, you know, sick formers and the headmaster and there's a cake and they sort of wished us well on the, you know, journey to uni or the crack dens, whatever we're doing. I didn't get invited to that. <laughs> Carry on. You definitely did, because I'm about to tell an anecdote in which you feature. Oh, right, okay. All right, well, go on then. That's not correct. <laughs> I think it was you anyway. <laughs> um, I only had two friends, and you were one of them. I think I remember it was you. <laughs> you know, like, just someone was saying, like, oh, it's really going to miss this place, and, and, you know, we're all going to stay in touch. And I think just, you know, the three of us just just looked around, walked out without saying goodbye to anyone, and never looked back. Just... Screw yeah, this. I literally haven't spoken to anybody from that school apart from you and our other mutual friend in the last 10 years. And even he's fucked off to the side of the world just to get away from us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not going well. Yeah, it's, it's like if you if you meet teachers now and you're bummed and they're like, oh what, you, oh, what are you doing? What did you, you know, make of yourself with the, the you know, all the instruction and, and passion I tried to instill in you? And then you tell them what you're doing, and they just look sad, as though they have somehow failed. And, in fact, you that's failed them. Breezy note. But I was going to say, I don't bump into any teachers, because I moved all the way down to the other end of the country, <laughs> to also get away from you. Well, there's a high note you're asking for me to end on. <laughs> Everyone leaves in the end. And now, we must leave you. Ah. <sighs> And speaking of leaving you, that's the end of the podcast. That was episode three of uh, Cooking with Grief. I've been Chris. I've been a different Chris. And I've been yet a third different Chris. Um, And uh, we'll see you next time when we'll have four brand new topics to talk about. Adios, amigos. Okay, I'll just go with a, a very plain white goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cooking with Grief. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to recommend it to a friend. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cookingwithgrief at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter. That's at cookingwithgrief. If you'd like to hear more episodes, then please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you've got the time, then it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you.